Hi, I'm Elise. I'm Matt, and welcome to Pod Wraiths, a Star Trek Deep Space Nine podcast. If this is your first time joining us, we're two friends watching Star Trek Deep Space Nine and sharing both our deep and irreverent thoughts on our favorite Star Trek series. This week, we're talking about Season 2, Episode 9, Second Sight, teleplay by Mark Jared... I think that's how you pronounce it, O'Connell and Iris Stevenbear and Robert Hewitt Wolf, and directed by Alexander Singer. This episode aired on November 20th, 1993. This week on Deep Space Nine, Cisco falls in love with a woman visiting the station, but she is not what she appears to be. I think I'm going to just start by saying that I did not remember this episode probably because it's not the best. <laughs> yeah. Like uh, it's yeah. Yeah. How are you giving it's... this sorry, I'll wait. No, go ahead. How are you giving this nice man who has tragically <laughs> lost his wife a ghost girlfriend and on the anniversary of his wife's death, like no less. How are you doing that? What's wrong with you? <laughs> Yeah, it's, um, I think this episode is, is mostly forgettable at best. Um, I'm sure we'll, we'll, we'll get into that a bit more, but like, I'm pretty sure we've talked about this before with the idea of like, when you see the story by credit or the teleplay by, or the story, both the story by and the teleplay by credit. And there's like the whole screen is covered in like, you know, a wall of text. Um, and you see how many like. <laughs> hands touch this episode like from a writer's perspective enough to like get credit on it it's like often not like the best sign of like the best episode yeah and, like they needed help <laughs> yeah so obviously there's original like i was original like draft submitted for the the story by by jared o'connell and that original draft was wasn't so much as I understand it from going through the the Deep Space Nine companion and and Memory Alpha wasn't so much um, a romance episode as much as much as it was a a mystery episode um, because it was a Bashir episode not a Cisco episode who was having these visitations I guess or you know inquiring about this um, ghost woman who was a like again a telepathic projection of a, another. F- um female character who was in um a bad relationship one that was i think potentially even worse than the one we we saw on screen um there might have been you know um in the original draft some like domestic violence yeah and and, and, (laughs) what what could we do to make this episode worse add some domestic violence yeah so thank god it didn't have that honestly (laughs) yeah no retweet like in um but yeah they it was michael pillar who was still the like the showrunner at the time um co-creator of of deep space nine and you know showrunner of of tng um in in the latter half who suggested that they pivot to make it a cisco episode because pillar was too concerned or was starting to become concerned that they had made cisco too aloof um and hadn't really like had a cisco episode in a while and haven't hadn't really kind of dived into like cisco as the man and wanted to take another opportunity and again this is something i'm sure we've, we've talked about before maybe even as far back as when we covered emissary um earlier but uh the idea of like how cisco is different from picard picard's the explorer cisco is the builder and being in one place and, and all of that stuff so like I think from that perspective and getting something like different for like Avery Brooks to play and for like Cisco to do and more like explorations, I, I applaud the intent. Um, (laughs) I don't think this episode totally accomplishes what they were trying to do. And I think Pillar, if he was, was still alive, tragically has died. Um, and the, like, like, 90s early 2000s i think of, of of cancer but yeah like i think if you cornered ira right now based on some of the quotes i see floating around the internet he'd uh he'd agree that this uh this uh episode uh didn't quite do what they they wanted it to do right 
It does sound like it could have been worse, though, for sure. Yeah. Um, one thing I really did enjoy were the um, the Benjamin and Jake scenes. We, we got yes. a couple of them in this episode, and I really loved what Cisco said about dreams in the opening. Um, the thing about dreams is if you talk about them, they go away faster. This is something I completely subscribe to. I am a huge believer in talking things out, even if it's not a dream, just to, like, get it off your chest is helpful. And I, I don't know, that line really resonated with me. I've been, I've been thinking about it, like, for a few days now. And I think that's a good message for him to tell his son. Yeah, I think my favorite parts of this episode were those, those couple, um, Ben and, and Jake scenes that we did get. Um, and, like, with the intent of, like, showing more facets of, of who Ben Sisko is as a as a character, I think that, like, that stuff's always, like, very effective. Um, right. But, yeah, just, like... The whole episode doesn't... As a whole, doesn't really work for me. Um, I think there are definitely, like, parts that, like, work for me, like the, the Ben and Jake stuff, and with a massive caveat, like, some of the, like, Dax and Ben stuff yeah. works for me, but it's, like, also very of its time in kind of, you know, problematic ways. But, like, and maybe we can use this kind of, you know, just transition a bit into, like, you know, our call-outs and kind of, like, the main plot of the episode, this episode really hin- hinges on Sayatek as a character, and like he's such such a presence for good or bad, probably more bad, um, in this in this episode. And I think for some of the emotional notes to hit the way they are, like with the ending and things like that. Um, Yeah, just mixed mixed to negative results, I think, in terms of a lot of the other parts in this episode making it kind of forgettable and skippable overall. Yeah, I have, um, I mean, I have comments in the notes about my feelings, my, the progression, I guess I would say, of my feelings on um, Satic. Um, before we get into the main plot, though, there were a couple things that I really did enjoy in the episode that didn't really hinge on the main plot, so I kind of wanted to call them out now, because I know I'd forget to mention them. Do you mind if we swing that way? No, not at all. Go to the main plot? Not at all. Um, first of all, I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall in the the off-screen scene of Nog explaining to Jake (laughs) the three signs that someone is in love. Loss of appetite, daydreaming, and smiling all the time. Um, I also feel like <laughs> that could also be the um, the signs that someone's on antidepressants. So <laughs> that's kind of funny to me as someone who's on antidepressants. Um, yeah, like, I just, I, I don't, I'm sad we didn't see that. I mean, obviously, that would have made the episode too long and, like, not, we're, you know, obviously. I am of the belief that Nog and Jake have many numerous conversations that we are not privy to, and this one just would have been really funny to, like, to witness. Nog, I I don't, did we, I don't remember how much older he is than Jake, but I feel like he's just always giving him, like, knowledge based on his, like, limited experience, and, like, it's often very cute, even if it's not, like, super accurate all the time. Yeah, I mean, I don't have their, like, birthday to memory elf in front of me, but, like, like, Jake, You don't like, have Nog's birthday in your calendar? Like, what kind no, of man are you? No, right? And I mean, and obviously, Aaron Eisenberg, RIP, um, is, like, a I think a, a non-insignificant amount of years older than Sirach Lofton, at, who plays Jake at, at this point, but, like, in character... Nog reads to me as like three to five years older, if that. Like, mm-hmm. like, you know, like it's it's, which again isn't isn't a lot of years, but like you know when you're twelve versus like fifteen, oh, totally. yeah, those are like difference. that's a big three years. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. So, 
Um, also, there's that one scene when they're all, like, hanging out at Saitix, or Saitix, however you pronounce his name. It doesn't matter. Um, and, like, he's just going on and boasting about his, like, world travels and all his accomplishments. And I, I just really related to Kira and O'Brien during that social function because O'Brien cannot, like, stop kind of rolling his eyes at him and... Sayatik goes into the kitchen to, like, get his wife or whatever, and Kira's like, can we leave? Like, what's happening? (laughs) I did appreciate, like, the Ben saying, I had to sit at a dinner with you and, like, 12 Bajoran ministers, so you owe me this one. So, like, they all do things that they can't stand or whatever. But Kira and O'Brien, to me, are the two main characters that seem the least interested in small talk and pretension and i just can imagine how tedious listening to this guy like they're very um they're both very down to earth i think um (laughs) i mean i do think kira like can get very um a little bit larger than life in in my eyes but i do think for the most part those two characters are very down to earth and that they're not like full of themselves or anything. So they are they are so <laughs> contrasting to this guy who's just going on about how great he is. Yeah, and then there's that that great bit in that uh dinner scene as well where it's like the member of the senior staff who's like most into to say a text bluster is, is Julian. Oh my god, that uh, was so funny. I'm like of course you bit. would find him good great, bit. Julian. Julian was like this is my idol probably. <laughs> yeah. Um. and um just before we get into the the main plot or i just the the one scene where benjamin had been stood up um and was at i guess he was like outside corks and just cork playing like supportive bartender had me hysterical like he basically was like so you're sad you were stood up want to fuck a hollow instead like it was just really really funny like yeah, just it was him like pretending t- to be interested, but he also wanted to like make money off of him. I feel like totally, totally, and like, and even the way he's like, I've even seen that look myself a couple times in the mirror. <laughs> it's like I'm relatable. Come spend money at Quarks. Come to Quarks. Quarks is fun. Come to Quarks. Walk, don't run. Um, <laughs> I guess slight spoilers for like season four or five or whatever that is. I forgot about um, that. <laughs> The, the, the fucking book <laughs> yeah i was um, i was like that's exactly what came to my mind as well for what it's worth oh God. Yeah. sorry um, sorry folks <laughs> no so and it, it it's like reminded me of like that was quark's pitch was like the 24th century version of like you had a really bad date and we're feel and like on your way home you're at the stoplight as you're driving and we're like opened up fucking Tinder, Bumble, or Hinge, or whatever dating app you're using. And it's just like, well, I'm feeling down. I was like, okay, what else is, who else is out there? Like, how can I like redirect my sadness? Um, Although, I mean, on one hand, and this is gonna, like, obviously, you shouldn't project your sadness on the next person, but that's also kind of hopeful. Like, you know, there's someone else out there for me, if not this yeah. person. Yeah. So just to set up the um, the main, uh, I should say the main plot that I was not interested in at all. Like I didn't <laughs> care about the mystery. I didn't care about like who is this woman. Um, anyway, Cisco meets this woman named Fena, and they have this instant spark. And then this terraformer, which I think everyone would laugh that when I was originally writing my notes, I accidentally wrote terraformer. Um, Professor Sounds Gideon like a B horror movie. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he creates the terror sun. Um, he arrives because he's a... Uh, yeah, so Professor Gideon Satik is coming to, like, reignite a dead sun, yada, yada, yada. He's charming at first, then he's pretentious and obnoxious, and then I went to eye-rolling him. <laughs> I was like, this guy's <laughs> not... He's He sucks. Yeah, an interesting fun fact about Sayotech that he was modeled after and somewhat based on um, the director, John Houston, was being that kind of really boisterous and loud and, like, presence. Um, hmm. 
thing. So, like, when you consider, like, there's an interesting meta element to then, like, having your, your terraformer um, with basically a god complex, ultimately, right? Oh, totally. And I, th- and I think Sayatek's, um final line kind of speaks to that. So there's yeah. this, like, pretentious, boisterous, outgoing um character that has a god complex and basing it on like a director a film director like that and like that that has an interesting element to it as well and even like when you consider like auteur theory as a thing and the way it can kind of under not kind of the way it does undervalue the contributions that others make Mm -hmm. right and we've seen like dax and like even o'brien working on the the prometheus and and things like that so like dax seems heavily involved yeah there's there's an interesting kind of element of that um that you can can read into that choice to make say modeled after a a famous one of (laughs) a famous director from one of the famous uh hollywood family right so yeah i really wanted to care more about this terraforming plot than i actually did because like it could have been very interesting like i would have really enjoyed i don't know what the like special effects budget would have been to like show us everything um but it did the scene made me think of well the fact that they were like trying to do this kind of reminded me of that scene in avengers infinity war when Thor has to, like, restart the the star that's going to, like, heat the mechanism to make Stormbreaker. Right. So, let's hope. Like, I, I want to think that there's, like, a Thor, like, trying to make something from the son of the... That they're going to... who The son who, whose name I, like, didn't even record because I legitimately Doesn't didn't care. Yeah. Yeah. This is your semi-frequent reminder... That Peter Dinklage is in Infinity War and yes, casual cr- fans yes. have, have probably forgotten because I'd forgotten until Elise made that reference. I'm like, oh, oh. yeah, Peter Dinklage is there, but he's giant. I don't, like, it's, I don't, yeah. I think that no one on Earth has probably seen Infinity War and Endgame as much as I have. Um, I unabashedly love those movies. I don't. I'm not interested in any discourse on them. I've seen Infinity War like five or six times, and I've seen Endgame like ten times. I whatever. <laughs> I know every bit of those movies. No, yeah. that's fair. But they're like such a, like of a piece, like basically being two parts of the same story. That I find it like like the reason part of the reason I haven't like revisited them since the theater is because I feel like I'd have to watch both. Yeah, um, but they're both but. great. <laughs> in my opinion yeah no fair enough. i usually um, i mean like i've seen endgame more probably because like the last like third of it is very emotional for me right. um starting with that scene that's on youtube with all the people clapping um and but like yeah you kind of do have to like i don't say i'm you don't have to watch them together but people like you and me have to watch them together <laughs> i need the complete picture right well, because, like, so many of, like, the emotional beats, I think, pay off Oh, totally. Like, yeah, yeah. For sure. No, that makes sense. Um, <laughs> coming to you live from our Deep Space Nine podcast is <laughs> Avengers Infinity War. Um, so, after Cisco meets this lady, he, like, can't find her and then goes to the first cop he sees to be, like... Hey, where is this lady? <laughs> it made me think of like how a ship's counselor would be someone better to like a- handle this kind of situation, like someone that you think is in trouble and needs help. Like I would, but I also am in that mindset because in my Star Trek Adventures RPG game, I am ship's counselor of uh, my starship, <laughs> the USS so my- Thunderchild, right? Yes, the USS Thunderchild. We're a galaxy class ship. There are a thousand people on it, which is kind of horrifying. And you're responsible for the mental health of all of them. I do newly have someone working with me. Um, who... Oh, it's only 500 people then. Yeah. I mean, they have some really high um, skills, so... But they're, they work... Um, yeah. They're... 
So I feel kind of weird for the first time in my life. I'm someone's supervisor. Um, that's never happened before. <laughs> yeah, I just like. Mm. So Cisco goes to Odo to help find this person, like, and he has like real no reason to be like filing a missing persons report or like whatever he's trying to do, um, other than he is down bad. And it's like, there is this lady in red, and she was dancing lady with me cheek to cheek. <laughs> um, sorry, that that's one for the Krista Berg fans that are out but there. But also, like, um, the, yeah, I, like, apologize for singing that. <laughs> I mean, uh, I guess I said it, sung it, whatever. Not good. Never seen you looking as lovely as you did tonight. I'm, like, um, swaying, just so you, just so you so get a visual. Bright. I've never seen the dress you're wearing. Um, yeah, maybe I'll cut this all out and get ambitious and, like, put 30 seconds of Krista Berg in our episode. That'd be funny. Um, that would be funny. But yeah, it's, like, sort of like Ben is, is misusing his status as the station commander, having, like, access to, you know, the cops really easily. <laughs> to, right. Like, no, I totally find, It's agree. like running someone's plates that, like, you have no yes. reason to, other than you think they're, like hot and you want to find where they live like yeah which dude, is fucking creepo like yeah. and i think maybe that this is like something that as much as like i don't want the initial draft of the episode this is something that would like have made more sense if it right. was if there was something to infer that fena was in like physical danger so it's like oh we need to like you know what i mean like right then i think that reads a little bit differently but also but, still uh, we need a ship's counselor here yeah, no, 100p, 100p. <laughs> um, dun-dun-dun. Fena is perhaps Sajik's wife, Nadell? What? <laughs> she has no idea who Cisco is. This whole thing is getting curiouser and curiouser. Just kidding, because I don't actually care. Um... <laughs> I, I will say, okay, I will say, I will say this. Like, again, where, like, I think... S- Parts of this episode work better than the episode as a whole. Um, the the costuming differences between Fena and like Nadal are just like it's it's a I think it's a really kind of smart choice, and it also helps in like a forty five yeah. minute episode <laughs> right. to what what the costuming can conveys again, rightly or wrongly, you know, in terms of playing with like you know, stereotypes and, and, you know, things like that. But, like, what it, like, conveys to the audience of when you have this nice red flowy dress jumpsuit that's part dress with, you know, the kind of more... It's not really, like, a harnessy top, but, like, again, the different kind of, like, cutouts and, mm-hmm. you know, things like that versus her very, like, conservative, like, modestmaids.com... Um, <laughs> bridesmaid's dress that she's wearing (laughs) it is very like yeah it reminded me of that um that episode of mad men with like the jackie and marilyn kind of Mm, mm, like campaign yeah um it is really funny though because fena like is wearing that red dress and she pops up to cisco being like i'm all hot for you i mean she doesn't say that but that's implied and Cisco's just like, what the fuck is going on? Um, yeah. I do really love that red dress, though. Like, the the boob cutouts are really amazing. Um, we love some straps. Yeah, and, like, interesting tidbit that that dress gets reused in Star Trek twice. Um, so, yeah, it is, it is a good dress. We It's in Star Trek Generations. It's on um, Antonia, who is... Quark's Nexus love interest, just because I don't know if they didn't want to, you know, pay the writers for it to be Carol Marcus or, you know, Eve Keeler or whatever. Do you mean Kirk's? Because you definitely just said Quark's. (laughs) Oh, yeah, no, I definitely meant (laughs) Quark's and Quark's. Kirk's and Quark's. Um, Yeah, no, definitely James Tiberius Kirk's um, Nexus vision. It's not really seen up close. It's kind of because you know you only see her from far away, like on the horse, like on the horizon. Mm-hmm. Um, but then it's reused in like a late. I can't remember if it's like season six or or seven or something like that in a 
in a Voyager episode. So, yeah, definitely. You know, it's a good costume when it keeps coming back. Right. I do feel like the romance aspect of, like, regardless of the confusion of, like, who Fena is, the whole, like, romance is happening way too fast for me. Like, the love at first sight is not... Like, they've met... They had this is like their second time meeting alone and they barely like spent I didn't get the impression that they spent that much time together the first time and then he got stood up and it just it's all happening very fast um which feels just I mean I know it's a 45 minute episode and we don't have time for like you know an episode long length <laughs> episodes long um romance that being said i am happy that benjamin got to kiss a little bit so can i can i confess something to you and by extension my listeners yes i really didn't think much of the title i was like oh the second sight okay that's kind of weird because it's like opening like a third eye or something like you know like in the second set of eyes or you know whatever with what the fena um, and Adele stuff, and then as soon as I saw in the notes that he said it being, like, a love at first sight thing, I'm like, fuck. Like, of course, <laughs> that's what the episode title is, like, playing off of and referring to. Anyways. Um, thank you. I'm gonna also admit that I did not get the title until you had written that in the notes. <laughs> I won't pretend that I didn't get it until right now, because I'm not that good of a faker. Um, but yeah, I did not even think about the title, and then, like... When I had written Love at First Sight in the notes, I was not thinking about the title at all. Oh my god, really? No. <laughs> I thought that you were like, oh wow. Okay. No, well, I this like... Is, this is the I kind of great podcasting folks come to us for. <laughs> I literally wrote it and still was like, brain empty. <laughs> uh, I mean... These, are, I these do, are the takes you listen to pod race. I do for, often folks. have like... Uh, there are... I am a little slow to, like, understanding things. Sometimes I get things real quickly, and sometimes I literally am writing all the pieces, and I still don't understand things. Uh. I mean, you know, it's just part of my charm. (laughs) (laughs) So, after this all happens, we have some weird ghosty shit happen, and Fena legit disappears in Francisco, and then he was like, alright, I need to figure out what the F is happening. Um... Some other stuff happens, which I don't really think was that important. <laughs> yeah. um, or maybe we had, like, discussed it already. But, like, you know, Fena pops up again and Dax comes. He calls Dax. And I was, like, waiting for Fena to, like, disappear before Dax got there. But she had said she had seen her at the beginning of the episode. So I didn't think it was, like, in that sense, I didn't think it was, like, a figment of his imagination or anything like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but he, she scans her, and there's, like, no cell structure, no DNA patterns. Just and then, energy. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, Nadelle, Sayatik's wife, is dying. <laughs> like, everything was just very lightning speed. Um, and But you find out that Sayatik, like, knows about Fena and, like, has contempt for her, which, I don't is something I feel weird about, um... He's just blaming Fena for all of this, and I don't... It doesn't make any sense to me. He literally calls her a thing created by his wife's unconscious mind. Um, the whole thing with him blame, blaming Fena or his wife or whoever, like her projective abilities, feels extremely victim-blaming to me. At one point, he says, she swore to me it would never happen again. Like, it's pretty clear that she has no control over what's happening. And especially since we find out after, she didn't doesn't remember any of it. Yeah. So the whole yeah. that whole aspect of it really, 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 really rubbed me the wrong way. Um, especially when we find out later that he admits that he's basically a shitty husband and that all of his wives have left him because they're so miserable with him. Like, how is that his wife's fault? Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's, it's not, and, like, I think in terms of, like you say, the, the victim blaming and and things like that and the contempt he has, um, and this is where I just think that, like, they didn't quite, and it's, and it's, I don't even think this, it's, it's a criticism of, like, Richard Kiley's, like, performance, I just think they didn't quite nail down the tone of Senate Attack that they were, were kind of looking for, 
Um, but it's really his contempt for himself because he knows he's kind of a piece of shit. And like, you know, that's why he's been through, you know, had so many marriages and people normally leave. But Nadell, for, for cultural reasons, like, isn't isn't able to. And it's like he knows how deeply unhappy he is. And it's like the one thing that, like, he can't fix. It's It's like this weakness and this like Achilles heel. And so really like he's, and I'm not endorsing this behavior to be clear, but like, I think his contempt comes from really like a level of like self-loathing that like he's achieved these like great things and he takes pride in them and he's boisterous. But like, I think there's probably like a different version of this episode explores the pathos and the other side of that of like what he's he's covering up and what he's overcompensating for. And like, right. I definitely like, I agree with you. I like, I agree with you. It's victim blaming nonsense. Um, but at the same time, like, I think it's really misplaced insecurity and like anger at him at himself. Right. And, I mean, like, I, I do. I think that is obviously when people are victim blaming people that they don't know, it's one thing, but I feel like, that's often the case with victim blaming with someone you know it's like you feel like guilt or uncomfortableness with what's going on so you're just gonna blame the other person yeah totally and i just think that the episode doesn't really explore any of that and then i think the way say a tech air quote solves (laughs) the dilemma AK all of this stuff gets to be a martyr which is like his dream in life yeah like it, it's <laughs> like he, that's his his way out of the the no one scenario his his mm-hmm. god complex kobayashi maru yes um <laughs> like you don't you don't see acts like that on star trek very often and being like the climax of an episode right and um in the the star trek deep space nine companion there's a a a quote from ira uh, ira where ira stephen bear one of the the co-writers of the episode (laughs) you said ira and i was like it didn't even occur to me that like you needed to say the rest of his name yeah Yeah. (laughs) we're we're friends (laughs) (laughs) i mean he did he did um, quote tweet one of my DS9 tweets once. Um, <laughs> Besties. Yeah. He he commented, for the show to work, Cisco had to respect Sayatek. And for whatever reason, there was never any current of understanding between Cisco and him. And for me, the show fell apart. The audience had to like Sayatek. He kills himself. How many times do you saw, see a guy commit suicide on Star Trek? It was a great ending, an ending worthy of John Huston, but it seemed like some other wacky thing the character was doing. You didn't feel the sorrow. So, like, again, I, I think I agree with Ira there, where it's like, again, there there could have been more of a pathos to the character, and it's just, he was just this pompous, crazy ass the whole episode, right? Yeah, I would have been more interested in them kind of unveiling a little bit more about why he was like that than the, like, Cisco search for Venna. Like, that... I think that would have been more interesting to me to, like, find out why he was like this. I'm also really sore that he... This motherfucker, pompous ass, fucking wrote his own obituary so that it would be, like, acceptable to him. And then at the last second was like, oh, wait, I forgot to, like, add something at the end which was like explaining what he was currently doing like of course you didn't add that you're literally doing it right now yeah um, <sighs> and his, his final words are literally let there be light like <laughs> like some fucking which is Genesis something show. my dad says all the time <laughs> for what it's worth okay but like it's different context right? oh no my dad's saying as a quote not like this guy's like you know, trying to be it, you know? Yeah. Ugh. But he, he won't be able to see that the light was good. So he won't even know. So, like, I mean, it does work, but he wouldn't. He doesn't know that. <laughs> I mean, do I know he doesn't know? No, okay, we're not. We're going to stop that thought there. We're not going down an existential sort of 
you know, haul right now that will take over the rest of my day. <laughs> Ain't nobody got time for that. <laughs> yeah. And, like, I do want to, like, call out, too, that I think it's not interesting, but, like, in terms of, like, tropiness and the way, you know, certain type of relationships with certain type of, of characters are deemed safe and not safe. Um, the fact that, like, we have, like, a Cisco romance episode and it's with um, another brown-skinned um, actor. So you have two, like, people of color in a, like, you know, in a relationship together in, like, the episode. And then, like, Star Trek, I a lot of the timelines when you would have one of the, the white characters having a romance, it's with, like, another white character. And whether that's intentional or not, it's definitely, if it's unintentional, it's definitely, I think, an, an expression of kind of unchecked or uncoded bias of, like, you know, epis of odd feeling like audiences are used to seeing black folks only in relationships with black folks and like so on and so forth. So again, like I, I don't. Yeah, I don't, I, we don't know what happened, but I do, yeah. I do want to say, and obviously I don't know in reference to this episode at, of course, but I do think that oftentimes, at least like when Ira was in charge, when things, when it, there were storylines regarding race, I know he often asked Avery's opinion Avery Brooks's opinion on things. So I, I, I mean, it's possible that that was like a discussion that was had also. I mean, there's no way for us to know that, but I do, um, I'm, I don't disagree with you, but like, I also yeah, wonder no, if there I, was like more conversation happening around it. Yeah. And like, I like, and I think too, and I know I'm just, cause I know you've watched, um, the doc more recently, like than I have, but like, I think, too, like, because like, early on when you're getting more, like, studio notes and things like that, um, I keep thinking, and I can't remember his name, it doesn't matter, who's the head of, like, Paramount Syndication at the time, and, like, there's the whole, like, discussion of when they were casting Cisco and, like, Avery Brooks, you know, going back forever, had the shaved head and a, and a goatee, mm-hmm. and then wanting him to shave the goatee and, and you know, grow out grow out hair to kind of, like, alter his, his appearance, and of course, you know, folks will know, or have probably seen photos where eventually Avery Brooks does get to, Cisco gets to look more like Avery Brooks normally. It's like, like they were the scared he was gonna look too militant or something. Like, Well, no, it's... okay, so this, this Paramount exec in the doc phrases it, like, worried that he looked, that Avery Brooks's like, personal look looked, quote, too street, end quote, for um a star trek ca- like yeah i captain. i meant it in like a, i was when i said militant i meant it in like a in like a paraphrasy way like yeah i, I would no, put those I, two things like together like those thoughts yeah but I, I just even think that like the way that the exact phrases it is like even worse oh um, yeah no totally. like it's, <laughs> you're it's, right i was it's gonna, racism yeah, i understand um, what you're saying. and that's more what i was getting so like again we don't yeah. don't know what what happened behind the scenes with the casting but like yeah it's uh i don't know just something that you oh. like see a lot right so so related to that um real quick because i i should say because i think everyone knows i'm i've been reading the 50 year mission um book i just finished the deep space nine um, chapter on um, in that book and they talk about when Ira talks about when he was because he, he said he went back and forth for like a couple years with trying to get him to, uh, Avery to be able to shave his head and grow out the have the goatee again on the show or have it on the show in general and when the when I guess Ira finally got permission from whoever um, and he told Avery Brooks and Avery Brooks was like okay like he like didn't really care that much and I think that is kind of funny I thought that was amusing like they I mean he was just like I guess going with the flow on that but it's funny that Ira was so concerned about it and like told him and he was like all right that's cool (laughs) yeah no and that's 
I just wanted to share the knowledge from my book. I'm just no, 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 totally. You. And then like you, you start then thinking about it, how like, and I don't think Ally or I don't think I was being performative in in that aspect, but it's how it's like, no, this is a great you know injustice, and we need to like yeah. you know fix it, and like it that's not an incorrect perspective, but right. again, it's like Avery seemed to have the like edges, like it's just hair. Like, yeah, like, like it's like, it's like I don't want to compare it to like it's like recasting somebody like an a voice actor to someone of color p- portraying like a character that's of color instead of like having cops not kill people anymore, like black people anymore. Like it's like yeah. <laughs> it's not as important as the letter. Yeah. Although I I personally think it's important also, but we yeah, shouldn't no. have people hiding like who they are. Yeah. No. Totally. Totally. So then again, just to like close out the episode, as we said, Sayatek um, finds his his you know solution to make everyone happy. He gets to be the martyr, write his own obituary. And obviously, Nadell is then free from from the marriage that she can't leave because of her, her cultural reasons, and so Benno will never reappear. And um, Nadell's basically like, "Yeah, I'm just gonna live on my home planet for the rest of my life now." And Cisco's well, like, "Okay, cool." And like, <laughs> I don't know. What did you think of that that final scene where she's like, "What was Fena like?" I I don't rem- have any of her memories, and like, you know, whatever. Well, she kissed me. Like, what was he gonna say? Like, I don't know. Yeah. We, used to, we used to make out. You want to try it? Like, what? I don't understand. Anyway. Yeah. I, like, I, was, I don't. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know that they ever needed to talk about it. Um, I mean, except for, like, if I was her, I would want to know how I behaved, I guess, um, from, like, a because I get embarrassed easily perspective. Um, right. But I, I, I understood that she couldn't leave him, but, like. Couldn't he have left her? Like, I don't know. I guess she would have yeah. followed him around still. Like, I don't understand. Yeah, there's some, like, weird, like, patriarchal, like, yeah. shit going on there. And it's just like, oh, they mate for life. It's like, but they're, they're sentient beings. And you can, like, change. Like, I know it's difficult, but it's just like, she's not a fucking swan. Like, she's yeah. a sentient humanoid. Like, anyways. Yeah. There has to be, like, exceptions to that. Yeah, and it's like, just, like... Like, if someone is abusive, what, you have to stay with them forever? Like, that's a fucked up society. I mean, that's... That's conservatism. Um, in a lot <laughs> of, like, religious circles. No, um, it is. Like, you're like, right. And there's, yeah. like, a lot of religions that don't let you get divorced or anything like that. And, um... I just don't understand it. From, like, a human perspective. <laughs> like, I get their arguments or their comments but i just yeah. do, do not agree yeah and like even the idea like then it infers that like nadel's like culture has trapped her and is all like backwards and and stuff and then when like you cast like a person of color in that role and you have the like white scientist like saying she can't do it like oh she's stuck right like, again there's just like and like i don't I don't know if the episode is genuinely, like, aware of how some of that reads. And, like, again, I am a white person. So, I mean, it, it I could be the Ira here and reading into things like the, you know, oh, I'm going to fight for right. the goatee. And it's, it's like, you know, different. But, like, it's yeah. not. No, I understand. I know, this episode saying. is just skippable. It like, bothers me that yeah. we never hear Nadell's perspective ever. That, she's that... not really a character, is she? No, she's just like a thing that exists, so that this, like the rest of, so that Cisco can have his ghost girlfriend, and that Seta can become a martyr. Like it just, it does. It's just a, she's just a tool. Like I don't think she yeah. is a character. Yeah, like Fena is definitely more of a character. Yeah, than for sure. Yeah, so, in conclusion, second sight, no thank you. 
<laughs> what's the what's the third site gonna be? I'll wait for that version. <laughs> that was the that was the worst joke ever. <laughs> yeah, I gave you uh like you know a pity laugh. <laughs> a, a uh, respectable Just... chuckle. Um, <laughs> a socially acceptable chuckle. Well, uh, I don't know about it would have been way funnier. Sorry, it would have been funnier if you just didn't laugh. <laughs> anyway, I mean, I can I can cut my laugh out. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, anyway, just see. How I leave a long pregnant pause. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, that was like at the like the Melora episode. There was a thing where where the guests did the just said hi because it's all the notes said. And oh, was that was my favorite. And then when I was like editing, when I was like going through the auto edit. Um, it still had that long pause, but I didn't cut out the pause completely because it made sense that it was still kind of funny. Yeah, no, I I, I appreciated pause. that pause because um, I thought it was funny because I like yeah. didn't give it any further instructions. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it was funny. <laughs> and Tessa was like, "I did what I was asked of." <laughs> All right, Elise. So I don't know about you, but we've been been talking for a minute, and I mean, I've been drinking coffee during as we record but uh between the talking and and the coffee i think i i need need some water i'm feeling a little parched i don't know about you yeah i mean i've been sipping on a screwdriver some vodka and orange juice for the last hour so i definitely should probably have some water to quench my thirst yeah so why don't you have some altair water and uh <laughs> quench your thirst who are you thirsting for this week um Fena was hot and like <laughs> the scene where she and Benjamin were discussing their picnic plans and continuing their tour of Deep Space Nine because it would take more than just like an afternoon or whatever. Yeah. The way she was looking at him, her eyes were sparkling. I just realized I am daydreaming and smiling and I'm not that hungry. So maybe I'm in love. Um, anyone want to look at me that way, like swoon, I, I will take it. Um, but also I was really into her double pointy ears. Double points. There you go. It was double very exciting. Points, double the fine. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> yeah. And in terms of me, like, I didn't love how Dax was framing the whole like guy talk conversation. I was like, oh, you're not comfortable talking to me about this because I'm a woman who used to tell, you know, talk about women with Curzon and blah, 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 blah. But, like, when she's teasing Ben and, like, leading into that, like, roguish like, Dax streak, um, yeah, swoon. That, that works for me. I, um, I just want to push back on that a little bit because I definitely don't disagree with your comment that Dax is framing the guy talk and a cishet normative way, but I think that in the 1990s, that was, like, how things just were, for the most part, and I, like, it didn't, it didn't bother me as much, I think, as it bothered you. Oh, I mean, I don't know if it, like, bothered me. Right. Like, I'm not, like, like I was kind of, like, sleepover I just it, took but... that of, I just took that as the show being of its time, and, like, oh, let totally. it go. Like totally, totally. Like I but don't, yes. I don't disagree with that at all. Um, but I did enjoy also her pumping him for information and just her being like, yeah, because I feel like yeah. I don't know. I relate to that because like I'm always trying to get my friends to tell me shit. So <laughs> although I don't think I'm roguish, but anyway. All right, Elise, what was your candidate for the most Star Trek thing of the episode? In the end, Nadell has no memory of Fena's experiences or anything that happened during the episode. Yeah. In the end, it doesn't even matter. Yep. I almost Tried was like, in the so end, nothing hard. else matters. And I was going to like... It got so far. Yeah. Oh. But in the end... Fena was a figment of Adele's imagination. I was thinking the Metallica song. Oh, nothing else matters. Yeah. In the end. So close, no matter how far. <laughs> Couldn't be much more from the heart. 
Is this Better the trust episode in who you are. of ours? Fan is a figment of Nadell's imagination. That so has anyway. the most singing in it. Like, I feel like we had the most singing in this episode. Yeah, I'll probably cut some. Uh, well, I don't know. It depends how lazy I am. <laughs> <laughs> and you? Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's the same thing. It's like kind of that classic Star Trek romance episode where you supposedly have this like, oh, I'll never forget you, like life-changing like romance. And, <laughs> Let's be pen pals and then it never happens. Yeah. Although no one right? in this episode actually said they would be pen pals, but like that's the, still the vibe I got. Yeah. No, totally. Well, so Elise, in conclusion, do you give Second Sight a thumbs up, thumbs down, or a eh? I think... I I want to actually give it mostly, like, a, a, a thumbs down. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's where, that's where <laughs> I land, too. I did enjoy those um, scenes I mentioned earlier, like Jake yeah. and Cisco and, like, the Quark one. And, and then, um, you know, I really liked Kira and O'Brien being them, very much themselves. But otherwise, you know, not great. Not great, Bob. Yeah, yeah. Well, until next time, Elise, where can folks find more of you on the internet? You can find me on Twitter and Letterboxd at Elise underscore Tendi, E-L-Y-S-E underscore T-E-N-D-I. And you? Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter and Letterboxd as well at MattyHugh, M-A-T-T-Y-H-U-G-H. You can follow Elise and I together on Twitter and Instagram at PodRace. And you can also email us at PodRace at gmail.com. Again, please remember to rate and review us on the podcasting. Please remember to rate and review us on the podcasting system of your choice. And thank you to DJ Empirical for our interstellar theme song. And until next time, computer and program. Bye.